Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hello, and it's an emergency podcast. Jurassic <laughs> Pod is back. I'm Eric Corrine from The Athletic. With me as always, Holly McKenzie. But look, we don't have time to talk to her right off the bat because we have breaking news. The Summer League schedule is out. Airhorn, airhorn, airhorn. Holly, <laughs> how's it going? Okay, you scared me. I was like, hold on. We didn't talk about an emergency thing. And then when you were like, breaking news, I was like, Two seconds ago, there was not breaking news. What what has happened in the past two minutes? Hi. Uh, uh, how are you? H- have you recovered from the press releases? Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm doing okay, I think. Um, yeah, I'm just, just trying to wrap my head around a, a world where Summer League is almost here again somehow. I'm not sure how. Uh, it, it's the passage of time. Uh I'm for listen, it. I mean, listen, I'm for it as opposed to the alternative, I suppose. Listen, it's draft week. Yeah. Draft A, A Wiggins. <laughs> he's getting, he's doing the the not parade today, kind of parade today. In Yeah, I haven't read anything about that. So what's what's happening? Like, why? I don't know why. Uh, so well, I mean, I assume it's something <clears throat> to do with the pandemic, maybe? Super informed we are. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but well, we're not anyway. A, we're not a Warriors podcast. The Warriors are celebrating. We have like six of those on the athletic. (laughs) The Warriors are celebrating their their latest and newest championship. Uh, You know how good it must feel to have won so many championships that you get to say your your like latest and greatest championship, not just your championship. Uh, Anyway, they're celebrating that today, and um, among the Warriors who are celebrating, Andrew Wiggins, who I am just beyond thrilled for so yeah yeah he was awesome uh in the nba finals as both a defender on i mean i think first and foremost a defender on jason tatum uh but also on the glass and scoring when when the sort of warriors beautiful machine i don't want to say broke down but couldn't produce reliable offense against the you know a very very good defense Mm -hmm. especially in that game i want to say it was game five uh mm-hmm, Wiggins mm-hmm. like with just several attacks um to score uh and, and just you know in, in isolation more or less and you know it's sort of funny that Wiggins had been getting you know a modicum of praise after you know leaving a situation in Minnesota where he had to do that however many times a game and he became known as this defensive guy this weak side shooter this <laughs> And then in that game five, it's like, oh, yeah, like, maybe I wasn't, you know, exactly the guy to be doing that 30 times a day. But if you need me or a game, but if you need me to do that 10 times a game, it might be all right. Uh, it certainly was all right. He was 
probably the second most important Golden State Warrior in that series overall. Uh, Eric, there was actually talk for a period of time during the finals about whether Steph would win finals MVP if the Warriors won or if it could go to Andrew Wiggins. I'm glad, definitely certainly glad that it went to Steph Curry, but that's how good he was. Yeah, the uh, fact that there was, I think most of what that proves is there are two off days in between all but one (laughs) games. uh, But he legitimately was... Yeah, I would say their second most important player. And also, like, just the fact that he became the guy who, when the Warriors needed something, whether it was on offense or on defense, he was, like, the reliable person to step up and deliver that. And that is not an easy thing to be, not an easy thing to do. And I thought uh, Clay Thompson's quotes immediately after the game when he said, I used to do that. That used to be my job. <laughs> it's really hard. Like he made my life so much easier. And he's, you know, he said he has to play defense on the best player and then come back down and score on the other end. That's really hard. And first of all, Clay Thompson. Holy cannoli. King. Holy cannoli. <laughs> king. Cloud 109. He's a king. Uh, I love that man. I just you, want him to, I mean, I mean, I'm sure his life is pretty great and he doesn't need me to wish great things upon him, but I just want Clay to have all good things always, ever. You have gone so all in on calling people kings. Who else have I called a king? Uh, my dog, for one. Um, oh, well, he is the king of your house. Yeah. That was a different kind of king. That was but like, you're, I, I think you called Christian Leclerc a king, Leclerc. Leclerc? Christian? No, Charles, sorry. (laughs) No, uh, I don't think I I don't think it was Charles. I do feel like there was an F1 tweet though. That I mean there were many F1 tweets on uh on Sunday. My my guy, Max Verstappen, unstoppable. Um, Yeah, he's incredible. Um he is he is my guy. What made him your guy? Uh, we were just discussing this uh, when you had been noted as a huge F1 fan, <laughs> and I decided because I had heard he's a bit of a malcontent. Uh, so that, that uh, yeah, okay. That I that he was my guy based on. But this is what I meant. I just meant like, have you watched it since? Based, no, no, absolutely just... not. But but oh, literally, that's that that's all. And uh, my well, you gu- picked a my, once in a generation driver. So my guy is yeah. killing it. Um, yeah. I think uh, you need to I think you need to get familiar with Yuki Sonoda. I think you would love him. He's become like um he and Pierre Gasly, um, they've kind of become like my second faves. My second, yeah. like they're like a, maybe even my not no. Uh, maybe everyone's just tied at number one. But anyway, Yuki <laughs> gets very, very angry on the radio and he's just constantly swearing and screaming. And then he always apologizes really like nicely, and it's just He's hilarious. He's great. I love him. Uh, while you were watching F1 on Monday, on Sunday, today's Monday, and while you're hearing this, it might be Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday or who knows, <laughs> you know, sometime in 2024. Um, but while you were doing 2024, Sunday, 2023. No, I mean, any year. It could be any year, uh, <laughs> unless this gets erased from the internet, which, you know, who knows? We, we might say horrible things. Oh my gosh, I'm so things. sorry. We, we can go back to what you were saying, but I need to say this before I forget. When you... Said something about machines breaking down. Yeah. I've already forget what that was. What were um, you saying? I, I don't know, Holly. <laughs> you said something at the beginning of this podcast about machines breaking down, and I needed to say, have you ever seen the movie Wall-E? 
Oh, I saw that you watched it. I have not seen it. Uh, it's, oh, it's my been, goodness. It's been high on the list of, uh, certainly highest on the list of Pixar movies I have not <clears> seen uh, to see. And I know that it is regarded as, like, top three and by many people. I sort of feel like like Wally was the beginning of Pixar being taken as, like, high-end adult art. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I could be wrong on that. People have studied this a lot more than I have. But I remember when that came out and it sort of changed the conversation that I was aware of. It at changed least, about, the game. Um, <laughs> about Pixar. <laughs> but you were crying. Uh, oh, Twitter my goodness. Like, no, I had one of those headaches after watching the game from being dehydrated from crying so much. I didn't know what it was about, had no idea the premise, concept, anything was not exp- I didn't know it was going to be sad, emotional. Like I had it it's not even that it was it, well yeah, it was sad, but just wow, I was blown away and when you mentioned um machines breaking down, that's the first thing I thought about. I cried within like the first like 12 minutes of of the movie. Yeah. And that's when I kind of was like, "Oh shit, I'm really in for it. This is going to be this is going to be an event. Uh, I just want everyone to watch this movie and you'll realize the love and affection you feel for a not human um, thing. It's just beautiful. It's a beautiful movie and I love it so much. And I could get like, I almost could get emotional just talking about it again. I don't watch, I don't watch movies as you, as you Well, you know, did consume did the whole that. Marvel universe, but you don't well, yes. you didn't go to the But that's the thing, when I tweeted about time. Wally, so many people um tweeted me back and said, I can't believe you haven't seen this, or this seems like a you movie. And I just feel like I need to explain to people, like when I say that there was a period of time that I didn't watch movies, there was literally like a 20 year period where I did not watch movies or TV. Yeah. So very into it now love sitting on the couch and being entertained (laughs) and not using my brain uh but there's so many movies that i haven't seen so i kind of feel like i'm catching up and um this movie was incredible and now i just want to want want to watch all pixar films uh have you watched any have you watched any others we're we're so far afield this is going to be the biggest digression (laughs) of uh of all i thought like starting with the summer league a joke emergency announcement was going to be a digression and now we're like three digressions (laughs) away from that listen i'm sorry it's the off season we can talk about things we can do our marvel episode maybe Uh, guys i might be able to convince him uh yeah um (laughs) i know you're all dying to hear me like butcher the marvel universe and and talk about that someone explained to me very nicely it was one of the nicest exchanges i've ever had on twitter that the uh low bar (laughs) what is the guys what is the morbius is that what the uh, movie's Mobius? called? I don't know. I, Mobius? I, Mobius. Yeah. yeah, it's probably not Morbius. That it might sounds be. like morbid. I, Whatever I it know. is, that movie, I was like, this looks awful. Don't want to watch it. Marvel, you've lost me. And I had like multiple Marvel people, but one very nice guy who was a very, very, very large Marvel fan very patiently and painstakingly explained to me that that is not a Marvel movie. It's under a different umbrella and it shouldn't be considered a Marvel movie because like that would be like a like a blight on the Marvel like cinematic universe. That so I'm it's not it's not canon 
is what he was yeah, saying. Which but, I didn't know, but I really did appreciate. So yeah, if if we do a podcast, I'm sure we'll get lots of those. Uh, but anyway, uh, recent movies. Turning Red was was a yeah. Was we a watched movie. that one for uh, my my film club. Um, and, I didn't know you had a film club. Yeah, you did know that. You just forgot. Oh, with Lindsay, uh, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, sorry. Film club made it sound a little more intense. Oh yeah, it's supposed to sound intense. That was part of our coming of age. Uh, block where everybody got to choose a coming-of-age movie. Who chose um, this one? Uh, this was uh, my wife's choice. Great, great pick. Loved the movie. So cool to see Toronto. I like, wanted more of Toronto, but I realized they can't just make just a make movie for Torontonians. But it's like, yeah. once they had that, what was it, a Daisy Mart reference? Like, I was like, I, all, <laughs> I, all I want is this. I loved it so much for so many reasons. A very important movie. And if you don't like it or you want to criticize it, you suck and you should self-examine. You should self-reflect. Yeah. Anyway, next week uh, we'll have some more 14-year-old movie reviews from Holly McKenzie. Uh, Holly <laughs> did come out in 2008. Uh, when I was, the oh my gosh, we also watched Unbreakable. <laughs> I also watched Unbreakable. That's even older than that. That's like That's got to be like 21 or 22 years at least. Yeah, I think it's um, 21 years old. Uh, uh, I absolutely was furious at the ending of that movie. I will not talk about it. We don't need to like spoil anything. Not that you can spoil anything that's 20 years old. Furious, angry, don't want to talk about yeah. it. Okay. The thing I was going to say beforehand, which we don't need to reflect on anymore, <laughs> is that while you were watching F1, I got like my first heart palpitations because of the Jays on Sunday. <gasps> oh, uh, yes. could, could not deal with that game, could not deal with that series. The Yankees are too good. The Jays bullpen you're, you're needs also, addressing. You're also, I hate it. I hate Someone it. said to you, why are you so mean? Yeah, I didn't because think that was called for. Um, I, I did. Uh, I, I was <laughs> Because that's what I thought too. I mean, you say Kikuchi is driving me crazy. Listen, um, stop it. Be he's driving me bit. crazy. He's got to like, okay. Just throw strikes, man. I, I hate it. I hate it. The, the most frustrating thing, even though I know it's not his fault, he's not trying mm-hmm. to underperform, but this is the mm-hmm. thing I get to be an irrational fan about like watching a pitcher unable to locate his pitches, like I'd rather see a guy just wiped out by home runs rather than like Here's walk, my walk, thing. walk, 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 I walk. think I, I, you're correct. You are being a fan. Yeah, and this I, is I fully typical admit that. fan behavior. Yeah. But I think I don't like fans. <laughs> <laughs> like I, like I love fans. I love fans in theory. Yeah, I love fans when they're happy. But the normal fan reaction, like that you had, where you were saying, "Just throw strikes," like you think he's not trying. Yeah, oh, no, I'm aware. You from your couch are gonna criticize a player who's doing something that you could never do. And this is why I think um, this is one of my like this is like one of my realizations over the pandemic. I don't like I don't like the full fan experience. I only like the good side. I don't like when fans criticize. I don't like it. Yeah, I feel um, upset. Yeah, it's just like my anxiety about the Jays' long-term hub, which of course is like so unimportant, <laughs> turned into like, like turned into something that is not anxiety, so I don't have to feel like that. So it's just like <laughs> turned into like online rage. Um, you got you did get very angry though, and that's why when that fan said to you, like you're being mean or or you're you're like come off it. I forget what the tweet was, but I was like. Yeah, like that's how I feel. Oh and yeah, I almost was gonna message you about it, but I was like, no, I gotta just let him do this because no. he's just being a fan. That's funny. And I, I, I was always talking, have these moments. 
I was talking to Caitlin McGrath, the Jays writer for The Athletic, on, on Thursday because she saw Subscribe me. Subscribe to the, the Athletic because Caitlin is awesome. Because she saw me reasons. on the Jumbotron at the Jays game on Thursday, which they lost oh, 10-2. Wow. Uh, second time I've been on the Jumbotron this year. Um, it's all happening. And she was talking about how angry Jays fans are about a team that's like on pace to win 95 games. <laughs> which, <laughs> which is, uh, but you know, like... Expect- Listen, the Yankees, that, that was all bad. Like, that was all yeah. just extremely The Yankees are awesome. Them. And in the words of Ida Maria, expectations are such a drag. Um, we should bring this conversation I know, I'm sorry, back I to basketball. Since, I was going to say, yeah. I, you know what? I was going to do that. And my segue was going to be, I like I don't like the full fan experience I've learned. And to get to the Raptors, I really still am upset that fans chanted what they chanted at Joel Embiid. I didn't like that. I still uh, don't like it. Yeah. I've thought about it. I've had time <laughs> yeah, to, you to, to like reflect. Yeah. And I think that sucked. Uh, and I think I think the reason I came up is because in the finals, Boston fans did that to Draymond Green. And yeah, I just think that's lame. Like, let's get a bit more chance something better. Yeah. Let's yeah. get a bit cleaner and a bit more creative. I, I, it can be done. Um, back to the finals for just a second and the playoffs mm-hmm. in general. Having, and I promise we'll get to the offseason because we know people love <laughs> the offseason rumor content. Um, was there anything about how the playoffs played out, how the finals played out that makes you reflect on how the Raptors are building their team? And mm-hmm. I, I'm sort of thinking, to be perfectly honest, about, you know, the collection of versatile wings, but you can take this in any way you'd like. Uh, mm-hmm. that, is there any way that... Yeah, how they played uh, out uh, made you think about the Raptors, either positively, negatively, or indifferently. Like, it made me think if I was the Raptors, I would be absolutely kicking myself that I didn't have Gary Payton the second on this <laughs> team. Like, I want him as a Raptor so badly. To be fair, Gary Payton the second never signed with the Raptors. He was on the Raptors 905. But, 905, yeah. But, which just means they got a closer look at him, but he never had a Raptors contract. So it's not quite the same as... Uh, like a guy being signed to a two-way contract and then not using him and then him exploding mm-hmm. elsewhere. But yes. But still, my goodness, I I love watching him play basketball and I love everything that we've gotten to know about him off the court as well. I just think he's just awesome. And I know Raptors, you know, we want Vision 6'9", tall, long <laughs> players. This is the smaller player you want. Holy, have you ever seen a player of his size play bigger than than him? He's incredible. I just, I just love him. I love everything about watching him play. He makes things happen. And uh, you kind of have to be like that if you're going to be a super undersized uh, player in this league. And I think because his journey was so long and so winding, you're smiling and I'm not sure why. Is it because I'm talking No, 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 no. Go okay. on. <laughs> uh, I think because his journey has been so long and winding and, you know, full of so many rejections, really, and and setbacks. And also the fact that he's grown up with the game, like after the finals, Gary Payton, his dad, was with the NBA2B staff and was just saying this is such a cool moment for him. It was cooler for him watching his son win than him winning himself because he remembers him being with him, like being with the game as a ball boy growing up. I think like because of all of those things, and because he's undersized, like he had to become so intelligent to the game where he can see things and make them happen that like you wouldn't necessarily expect from a guy of his size. He doesn't make mistakes. He's such a good player and I loved watching him. And after after Wiggins, he was probably my favorite part of of uh 
of the finals. He was just such a great story, and I'm so happy for him. And I wish that he was a raptor. Uh, almost, uh, I-, I think he might have out Fred Van Vleeted, Fred Van yes! Vliet. Um, just, just in terms of, like, he almost applied to be a video coordinator. Like, that's, mm. that's, I, I, I mean, Fred Van Vliet would never apply to be a video coordinator because he would just assume whatever, wherever he landed to play basketball would eventually <laughs> propel him to NBA stardom. So maybe that shows more self doubt than Fred Van Vliet has, which, you know, makes him more relatable to me. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, it's certainly an amazing story. Uh, and oh. he, he's an awesome player and he is. A free agent. We'll get to that later. But you mentioned Vision Six Nine, uh, which yeah. I've also called Project Six Eight in my uh, conversation with John Hollinger. Um, I think I just like Vision Six Nine because it reminds me of um, Vision and, um, you know, WandaVision. Oh, never mind. I got gotcha. you. I'm not um, sure if you've seen that. Um, no, I'm, getting have, Marvel, I, I, I'm getting a Marvel episode this summer, no matter what we do. Yeah. Continue your conversation um, with John. Yeah. Mention Project uh, 6-8, Vision 6-9. Uh, a guy prominently involved with that is OG Ananobi, who, since we last mm-hmm. talked at the end of the playoffs, uh, was in, has been in, you know, trade rumors, uh, most prominently from Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report. Um Jake is cu- catching a lot of heat for these rumors, so I'm just going to go on a little. He's been catching a lot of heat this the past couple weeks yeah. just for asking questions. Yeah, let know? me let me. It's up to all reporters to decide what's worth running with and what's not worth running with, and whether you think what he reported is worth you know putting out there in the public. You know, I think reasonable people can disagree. But if you are going to use it, which he did, um, and like, of course, I'm going to defend fellow writers, but I don't <laughs> think I'm being, you know, wildly out of left field here. Like, he did couch it in, you know, maybe this is other teams sort of wi- willing this mm-hmm. into existence to find like a multi two way uh, or a, two, a, you know, a very good two way player. Which, you know, is sort of my takeaway from the finals and the playoffs is the more two-way wings you can have, uh, sort of the better. You can't have enough of those guys, which is sort of the Ra- Raptors, you know, philosophy right now. And and so, you know, if you are another team and you're thinking that these types of players are gaining value and you look at the Raptors future and you're thinking, oh, well, you might have to pay Fred Van Vliet and you might have to pay Pascal Siakam. You're definitely going to have to pay Scotty Barnes. Is this guy gettable? That's where that stuff comes from. And I think, Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. if you're going to mention it, which he did, I think, you know, him putting it out there that at least, at least that a lot of it is coming from other teams and the Raptors are still enamored with him is the responsible way to do so. Um, So with all that said... With caveats, caveated. <laughs> um, what have you made about OG Ananobi's name in general being out there? I think most commonly linked with Portland and the seventh overall pick. Yes, I think what I've made um, of these rumors and talks is uh, the same reaction <laughs> that most of Twitter has had, but just in a, like, toned-down version, yeah. you know? Like, as you said, um, I think one of the biggest things that gets lost when a reporter d- 
does this type of work um, is people often assume that if someone's putting something out there, that it's the only information they've gotten. And I think that just, of course, the average person reading something isn't aware of the amount of information that a reporter has and that they have to sift through before they decide what they're going to use, right? So like getting this isn't the only piece of information that he's heard. It's something that he feels there's some sense of weight or truth behind. He um, had the caveat at the beginning that, you know, other teams, cool. Uh, all that being said, um, I don't really think I, I, it just doesn't seem, I, I think no, <laughs> I think is no. what I think. Uh, I think, I don't doubt yeah, that yeah, like, yeah. like conversations are happening and things like that, but I don't think that this is where the Raptors are going. Yeah. I'm mostly in agreement with you, Holly. Um, I think it's reasonable for other teams to be doing, I, I mean, I, I, I'm i doing the math and, and sort of trying to figure out what can be done and what can't be if you're going to pay all or most of these guys. Mm-hmm. And it's reasonable that if I'm doing it, then other teams are doing it and poking around. Uh, what I think is far more likely than a multiplayer, maybe multi-team trade is the Raptors taking this, you know, offseason, seeing if they get... Van Vliet or Siakam extensions mm-hmm. done, seeing how much this team can do with a little extra depth, probably. And next summer, you have a bit more information. You have the possible or likely free agency of Gary Trent. You have the possible or likely free agent of Fred Van Vliet. And you have Ananobi one more year one year closer to mm-hmm. free agency. Mm-hmm. And I just think unless they're blown, blown away by an offer, like <clears> even <throat> if, if you lose a bit of leverage, the longer this plays out, um, the you're probably erring on the side of wanting to see how this group develops together. Uh, well, so- I feel like that looking at the history of the Raptors in recent years, and especially under Masai Ujiri's tenure, um that's what he did yeah yeah I feel like I feel like he really likes to have he's certainly not afraid to make a move at all and that's a great thing but he's not going to be rushed into making a move without having all of the information available and I think he likes to have as much information as possible available about the players um and options uh for the team that that there could be and I I just I don't think that he would rush that Unless something amazing comes along, like you said, and I just don't really see that playing out. Yeah, and like a lot of, like the Portland trade would, not that there aren't ways in which you can improve uh, mm-hmm. by trading OG Ananobi. I think it, like, you know, I remain pretty high on OG, but there's reason to have skepticism. And, and like, certainly, which I wrote about, if like, he really wants a bigger offensive role on a team and that was only sort of mentioned by fisher again Mm -hmm. under the caveat of you know this he hasn't complained to the team about this um but maybe it's something that's being discussed on you know internally with him and his lovely agents at clutch sports um (laughs) you know it it seems unlikely that he's going to become a second option on a team that has 
Scotty Barnes, who, you know, was the fifth or sixth option guy last year and is only set to grow. And then Fred Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam. My favorite stat that I figured out doing this OG and an OB piece, um, Pascal Siakam's usage last year, so he led the Raptors in usage, and I can't remember exactly what it was. It was something like 25.7%, but only two teams had top usage guys who had a lower usage than the Raptors. <laughs> uh, right. So basically it means like for a, mm. you know, top option, Pascal Siakam doesn't shoot very much, mm. <laughs> which, mm. which is, and, you know, if he continues to improve upon last year and, you know, progress isn't linear, blah, blah, blah. But I'd say the likelihood is that he's eating up a bit more of the offense, not a bit less of the offense. And mm-hmm. certainly true of Scotty Barnes. And even if like Fred Van Vliet drops down a bit, like there is not a ton left over there in terms of if you really want to change your role or your, you know, spot on the hierarchy of a team mm-hmm. uh, uh, for OG Ananobi. And that doesn't mean he'll get opportunities to improve and like they will get put him in different places to improve but like if you're only concerned about volume i could see where the concern would be i guess is what Mm -hmm. i'm trying to say does that all track to you or am i no it totally does and it's it brings it makes me think of another interesting thing that i always think about when uh stories drop about players having you know concerns or interests that seem opposite to how we view players you know like i look at the og that we have gotten to know (laughs) <laughs> with with the uh additional caveat that he makes it so that we don't really get to know him all that well. That's the gimmick, <laughs> yes. Yes. But when I look at OG and think about the, all the things that he has said publicly to us, uh and the way he talks about basketball and the way he talks about his own game, never have I come away thinking, "Oh, that that guy definitely is unhappy with his role offensively or he wants to be like the number two guy, you know? But it always makes me think when these things come up, we don't know anything about these guys that we dedicate our lives to covering, you yeah. know? And the thing that I would like, the case I was reminded <clears throat> of was- Sorry, I'm coughing. Uh, yeah, My allergies have just been like out of control. Yeah, I've, I've that's been, all pop- it is. I've just been allergies. popping the occasional antihistamine too. Um, mm. Like Jeremy Grant, I remember when he signed that deal with- Detroit to go from Denver mm-hmm. to Detroit. Uh, like nobody really thought Jeremy Grant was like really curious about what he could be in a high usage role. And that's not the only reason <laughs> he signed there, but it does make a certain amount of sense that if you are of, you know, good enough to be a really good player in the NBA, mm-hmm. you're curious about how far that talent can take you and by extension a team. And if you're considering your next contract, uh, which, you know, in today's NBA, contracts are only four or five years at most. So, you know, your agents at the very least are almost always considering your next contract, <laughs> especially when you're in your mid-20s uh, or younger. Uh, you want you might want to maximize the numbers you can put up. And that involves maybe having a different role. I'm not reporting that OGN and OB... <laughs> Definitely wants a bigger role. I'm just saying there are, the factors are in place where it would make some sense. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I couldn't begrudge him that. Uh, but enough on that. I don't think it's likely. You don't think it's likely that Ananobi gets moved. So we probably... Of course, us both saying yeah. this probably means a huge deal's coming on yeah. Thursday afternoon. But uh, yeah. Well, as long 
as it doesn't happen when I'm at a wedding uh, this summer, that would be great. Uh, or on an as airplane. As long as it makes everybody involved happy is... is no, this is about me. Is what I... I, 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 I I'm involved, uh, and this is about me. Uh, the NBA draft is Thursday. Um, the Raptors, yeah. of course, have the 33rd pick. Uh, time willing, I will have a piece up on Tuesday, if not by Wednesday, on the likelihood... Uh, that the Thaddeus Young, which dropped the Raptors essentially from the 20th pick overall to the 33rd pick. Uh, mm-hmm. What are like the historical probabilities? What do the pr- historical probabilities say about that trade working out? The short answer is um, not a huge difference between the average 20th pick and the average 33rd pick uh, mm-hmm. over time. Uh, hey, tomorrow's the longest day of the year. Did you know that? Uh, I did. June 21st. Yeah, tomorrow. That's tomorrow. So, I just realized right now, doing the math in my head of the days. Summer solstice, baby! Wild. Um, cool. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. So the draft's coming up. Raptors have the third pick (laughs) in the second round. Uh, A few weeks ago, I had an article on nine names that could uh, be potential Raptors picks in the NBA draft. Uh, The mock drafts, you know... There's always some surprises. There's pretty much a consensus on, you know, the 22 players or so who won't be available to the Raptors at 33, assuming they keep that pick. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then from there, we get a lot of guessing games because there are teams that are selling picks. There are teams that want to pick somebody but would rather not have that player on the books this year. Uh, So I think, you know, beyond that, there's a, a wide range of players that can be had. Uh, before we get into any specifics, with the 33rd pick and in the Raptors situation uh, that they're currently in, which I would describe as not hell-bent on being, you know, a championship contender next year, mm-hmm. but they probably want to 
you know, improve. Uh, that, Be that's, in the conversation. Yeah, they, they want to, you yeah. know, maintain or improve while, while not giving up uh, f- flexibility for the mm. future. How, at pick number 33, do you veer long-term or are you more intrigued with no. the guy who can help you sooner keeping yeah. in mind I feel like at keeping thir- in at mind 30... that at 33 you know getting anybody who can contribute yeah. right away is a win give or take a herb jones who i think was picked 32 last year like it's unlikely so how do you how do you view the pick in that sense yeah whenever whenever i hear you say things like that which are true about the second round pick and the 33rd pick i just go back to gary payton the second <laughs> because that's where my brain is right now and i think you never know what you're going to get with a player in the second round or an undrafted guy because hey look at gary payton the second that's where my head and my heart is right now and i don't think he's going to be in toronto so um i just gotta let golden state continue to enjoy him but yeah no uh, <laughs> back to what you were asking um i don't think you really think about it long term I think that you just go with if a guy that you like is available that you think has things that could help your team um, as is as well as if you think he has parts of his game that you feel confident that your development staff could um, develop and and further um, you know improve his game then yeah I don't really think you think I don't even think you think so much about specific fit you just are looking for a talent that you could potentially develop and who can help your team. Does that make sense? Like, like obviously you want someone who fits, but like, I wouldn't, I don't think at 33, you're not going to take someone just because of the makeup as your team right now. It's almost like taking a flyer on a player to me. Yeah. Um, it would be silly to draft for need for sure. Um, Mm -hmm. whether you want to go like long-term project or shorter path to contribution. Mm -hmm. I think that's, in more a more interesting conversation with this pick, uh, ultimately I think you just gotta go with the guy you think you can turn into the best player and and who's going to be available. You don't yeah, even no, know obvi- at that obviously. Point. And and yeah. whatever I, I'm talking about, you know, the moment you're on the clock. Um, what um who do you, who are you like? Uh, do you have favorites? So before we get down to get to that, uh, let me read the last twenty thirty third picks to you. Holly, are you ready for right. to remember some guys? Uh, sure. Uh, I like remembering some guys. Yeah. Jason Preston, 2021. Uh, Daniel Oturu, former Raptor, uh, who <laughs> played in the Cleveland uh, debacle. Uh, the Cleveland co- uh, <laughs> oh my god, the Cleveland COVID debacle. Uh, that feels like that was this year and also five years ago. Uh, welcome to the pandemic. Uh, <sighs> Carson Edwards. Uh, Jason, or no, Jalen Brunson, probably the best name on this list. Jalen Brunson, who uh, posted an Instagram story in Toronto a couple days ago. Oh, what does it mean? What does it mean? (laughs) It means he wants everyone to know he's in Toronto, that's for sure, because it was right at the CN Tower. Uh, Not sure if you saw that. (laughs) I did not. Um, Wesawandu, Cheek Diallo, Jordan Mickey, Joe Harris, another hit at number 33 mm-hmm. Carrick Felix Bernard James Kyle Singler Hassan Whiteside Oh I loved Carrick Felix continue I can't believe you have a Carrick Felix take um I, I had forgotten about him full disclosure uh Dante Cunningham so- Cunningham solid pro uh 
a pro, uh, somebody who you wrote a long feature on, former Raptor, initials JD. Can you come up with it? 2008. Dorsey. Yes. Um, Marcus Williams, Solomon Jones, <laughs> Brandon Bass, Peter John Ramos, uh, Luke Walton, and Dan Gadzurich. Um, yeah. The last two, actually, Walton and Gadzurich, are the guys who have spent who spent the longest with the team they ended up on after mm-hmm. draft night. Uh, both eight years for both guys with the teams that wound up. Uh, a lot of, you know, a lot of tough ones there, but that's sort of what the 33rd pick is. And the Listen, 20th man, pick it's really hard to better. make it to the yeah. NBA and it's even harder to stay. stay. Yeah. Um, do I have favorites? I, I think the name that popped out when I was first doing this and, and most mocks have him going before the Raptors, but it was uh, Dallin Terry from Arizona. Mm-hmm. He just seems so Raptors-y. Um, <laughs> I forget what uh, our pal Kevin O'Connor at the uh, at the ringer had him listed and it was something to do with scotty barnes i am uh looking it up as we speak no there's another player who had something to do with scotty barnes never mind uh but his comps are uh iguodala and what will barton from uh from kevin o'connor and he's just sort of a high energy high character mm-hmm. um versatile defender with a long wingspan and uh you know, a smart guy. Pretty decent yeah. shooter. Uh, and like a, a better shooter. A better shooter than the Raptors usually start mm-hmm. with. Uh, he is 20. He is a sophomore. So not quite the developmental developmental curve um, that we're talking about a lot with, with freshmen or, or G League guys. Um, so those would be my... I, I mean, he was the guy that's that's at the beginning of this process really jumped out and was like, this mm-hmm. guy makes sense as a Raptor. Um, I would like the Raptors to draft Andrew Nembhard. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Go the that, yeah. He I think he was playing for Team Canada when he was like fifteen. <laughs> yeah, just I've just watched him play for so long, and I just love watching him. Obviously, I love point guards, as you know. Um, I got to I got to profile he and his brother earlier this year together for a piece. Like I've talked to Andrew before, but this was my first time talking to the two of them about the other. And oh my gosh, they're both just so lovely. They're just I just I just wish them both great success. And I think it would be really fun if um, one of them became a raptor. It certainly would. Nem- so Andrew Nembhard, uh the big talk for him was coming out of the Chicago combine as he dominated mm-hmm. the scrimmages uh, that immediately moved him up uh, every mock draft from, for the most part, not taken or taken in the fifties to like high second round. We'll see. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I don't really listen. Believe I'm in... allowed to have a dream pick. No, I'm not criticizing your dream pick. I'm just saying like, if he doesn't get drafted, which we don't want, we want him to be drafted. But if he doesn't and he ends up on the Raptors uh, summer league team, I don't think that's an yeah, impossible right. scenario. Uh, same with Ju- I, I Julian like Champagny, th- um, Justin's brother. Yeah, that's interesting too. That would be fun. The thing with Andrew is I feel like whatever, like if, if let's say if he d- doesn't end up being drafted, whatever team he ends up with this summer, I just feel like they're going to fall in love with them. Like, like they're just going to fall in love with them. That's what, that's my take um, on Andrew Nemhard. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I think there are a couple of Duke guys, uh, which is weird. Wendell, who could be in the Raptors uh, wheelhouse or, or sort of selection. Wendell Moore Jr. Yeah. 
as well as um, Trevor Keels. Um, now, Moore Jr. Moore, uh, this is confusing. Moore Jr. was a junior. <laughs> um, yeah, he so he went to Duke for three years. And yeah. he sort of emerged in his third year after a sort of slow start to his career as a bit of a do-it-all guy. Like, playing a bit of point guard, uh, playing off ball a bit. Uh, a pretty key defensive player. He doesn't lack that, or he doesn't have that, you know, huge upside just because of... Huge wingspan, He though. has a huge seven-foot wingspan, <laughs> but for an NBA... And he can shoot! And he, he had a good third year in shooting. Uh, I, I believe his numbers were down the first two years. Um, but obviously, he shot uh, 41.3 from three this past year, uh, which shows he, he could, you know, become a, a very solid three-point shooter at this level. Well, listen, in the Raptors' developmental system... Yeah, he'll be shooting 60%. Um, (laughs) The Raptors uh, have never failed developmentally. Only has. Never. Absolutely never. Uh, Obviously, Andrew is my, like, (laughs) dream heart pick, but uh, for guys that I've seen kind of listed in the, like, near the Raptors uh, at 33, I do, I do like more junior um more junior yeah, yeah. <laughs> i was like why did you think that was confusing and then when i said it myself yeah i felt like i was not well i i'm that. saying it was confusing because he is also he's about... also a junior um yes which more junior who was a junior and trevor keels is more of uh i believe kevin o'connor's player comp to him was uh lou dort without like the spectacular one-on-one defense uh he's mm-hmm. sort of like a six five uh bully ball type player uh, and the way i described him in in my piece was he's the guy who when asked what position he plays will most likely say i'm just a basketball player um, <laughs> that's awesome uh, speaking of lou dort lou dort, lou dort. Uh, it, and pascal siakam were in montreal for the formula one race this weekend and got to see some great photos of them with some of the drivers and yeah it was pretty cool to see your boy Matt i was about Verstappen. to say I, yes yeah come with my guy uh verstappen with, uh, red bull red bull athletes um yeah you love to see it uh you love you love Ew. you love the brand synergy uh also sort of in the running a, a pair of centers Kristen uh christian coloco and ishmael kamagate i believe is how you pr- pronounce that name Coloco, who's also projected to go right, you know, late first round, early second round. Uh, his hometown, Holly, is Douala, Cameroon. Does that, Interesting. Does that mean anything to you? Well, I'm not, I, I'm sure it means something to a very important member of the Raptors. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Pascal Siakam's hometown. Yes. Uh, so that, <laughs> that would be, be cool too i'm just i guess at number 33 i mean i'm always here for the draft day stories always raptors yeah. or otherwise but i guess at uh the 33rd pick i'm really just here for the good stories so yeah give me someone who shares a hometown with pascal give me someone who has a brother on the raptors uh justin champagne's brother give me andrew nemhard because that would be awesome uh, one last name I'm going to throw out there is Caleb uh, Houston, I believe. I don't think yes, it's Houston. Uh, that would also be really yeah, fun. From Mississauga. It, at this time last year, like right after the draft ends and everybody comes up with their, you know, early 2023 mock drafts, um, mm-hmm. he his name would have been in the lottery at this point. And he had a disappointing year at Michigan. A lot of, you know, sort of highly scouted freshmen 
had disappointing years, and there is some belief that that had to do with COVID sort of limiting how much time these mm-hmm. teams had together and everybody had to acclimate. A very valid... Yeah, I mean, who's to concern, say? Like, we'll, sure. we'll we'll see over time as, like, this <clears throat> class of players It did it not have an impact on yeah. teams' successes. Yeah, we just don't know what it says about their future potential quite yet, I guess right. would be my point. Like, you know, there were players who transcended that and were able to still have impressive freshman years uh, or, or mm-hmm. above expectations, let's say, freshman years. So uh, I, I don't want to say it's nothing, but he is also in the range. And if you would have said a year ago that the Raptors will be in a position to take him, you yeah. probably would have said the Raptors missed the playoffs. So um, <laughs> that didn't happen. And it's interesting. And he is another Montverde Academy player where Scotty Burns played uh Mm -hmm. his final year of college Mm -hmm. so those are some of the big names you know the raptors took bruno caboclo with the 20th yeah the raptors took bruno caboclo (laughs) with the 20th pick so they'll probably take none of these guys that we've just discussed uh but we'll be here next week to oh you know the clint capella but that uh that Bruno draft will always just make me think of Clint Capella. Yeah, I saw I saw his name in a potential Raptors trade rumor today. Um, so uh, on right, I'm sure you would be a little thrilled. Yeah. Uh, so because of our time constraints, I think we'll get into free agency next week. Uh, I have plenty oh, of stuff okay. up on the other. We're going to get to some reader questions, which we'll touch on free agency, but we'll do okay. a more uh, full a fuller. I guess something can't be a more substantial free agency preview next more week. Uh, and Dillon yeah. Wright is certainly one of the guys who could be in play for the Raptors. Um, he makes some sense uh, as a player uh, coming off the bench for your Raptors. Um, so before we say goodbye for now, uh, this felt really fast. That's, I mean, probably not to the people listening because I've <laughs> stolen this conversation from you to talk about movies and Formula One and everything under the sun. But I think it's because we haven't talked in a while. This is like flying by. Anyway, let's go. Read your questions. Um, so let's start with a, a guy that you've stand for many times this mm-hmm. year. Uh Somebody asked uh, specifically about a second round pick, but I'll uh, I'll phrase this from Charlie Bender. Uh, does it make sense to package Malachi Flynn in a trade, or should the Raptors keep oh. him and actually put an effort into develop him, developing him into a backup point guard? <laughs> well, <laughs> um, I I mean it makes sense if it, if you're getting something that you really value or think could be valued back. I mean, of course, but. Um, I, I don't feel like the team is like going into the off season with the thought we want to move Malachi or like we've given up on Malachi. I don't think that's where they are, even though you may be a little confused as to where they're going or what their thoughts are based on this past year. Um, but I think, I, I mean, I think again, we talked about, uh, Masai Ujiri being a patient person when it comes to building a team. Um, I kind of feel like Nick is the same way, uh, with respect to like, working with a player, developing a player, seeing how they fit, who they could become. Um, I, I, yeah, I hadn't really thought about, (laughs) thought about uh, that, but I think that 
I just feel like the end of the season, you definitely saw much more from Malachi than you did when he wasn't playing. I mean, I was pretty hard on you about your grading him. And then he did play better at the end of the season. So um, I think it makes sense to, to, I mean, I think the team should still have faith in him and I think they do. Uh, so I don't know if that answers the question. No, I yeah. think that's basically what I would have said. Uh, he's not an impediment to doing something that they really want to do, but I, I don't, uh, you know... I don't he, think that's, like, at, the goal. And he's at a low value point. So, it uh, you know, just from right. an... Let's not talk about them as assets, but from an asset management point, uh, or viewpoint, it doesn't make much sense. Um, Rob, the real Mahoner, um, asks... Which oh my the, gosh, that sounds so much like Rob Mahoney. Yeah. Is that his burner? Uh, Rob, is this your burner account? Shouts to Rob Mahoney. Um, <laughs> which scenario is more plausible? I'll, I'll read this slowly because a lot of initials involved. A, move OG to shooting guard. GTJ, that's Gary Trent Jr., comes yeah. off the bench and you use the mid-level exception to grab a center. That's the first scenario. B, okay. keep the starting five and use the mid-level exception to fix the bench. So a perimeter, mm-hmm. more of a perimeter player. Oh, that's the two options? Those are the two options. Um, I think B. Um, I'm going to cheat. I'm going to say that I sort of think, as is now, Gary Trent will come off the bench next year, if I had to guess, right. assuming none of the core guys get traded. But I would say that... Pre- I agree with I would that say too, that I Precious think. Achua would be the starting... Would be starting. Would be the yeah. starter, and they will use the mid-level or the bulk of the mid-level to sign a bench piece probably so you're saying a, a and b I, i'm saying a hybrid answer yes okay. c okay. if you will um or a and b if what the, were we doing with og in that scenario he's the de facto shooting guard but who cares oh, okay. He, so not, he's, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. he and pascal and scotty play the same position right. basically gotcha. um yeah um and the last question and this can be a little preview for the for free agency what percent i thought you were gonna say this will be a little treat and Uh, i was excited this is the last raptors question to be clear and then i have one more question for you from ds ramfan ds what percentage chance would you put on boucher and thad young being re-signed thanks honestly i think pretty high um i think a higher percentage I I think greater than 50%, but maybe that doesn't seem high. But I just, I feel like Boucher will be back with the Raptors. Uh, Young, I think there's more room there, depending on what he wants for himself next year. Like, Like if there's like a contending team that could want a veteran, I think that, you know, that could be something that makes his decision. Like if he would like to go somewhere where he's going to have a long playoff run, okay, maybe. But if not, I also could very much see him coming back here with the Raptors. I think he liked his time here last season. I think he connected really well with the guys and the coaching staff as well. I mean, he's had such high words of praise for them. Um, But I would say for both, I'm going to, you know what, I'm going to say, I'm going to say 70%, 60% for both and for Boucher better than 85%. I'm going to put Boucher at 65, um, Young at 40. and Damn, maybe I'm just and, too positive. And both of them coming back, maybe 50. Um, 
Right. And See, that's that's 50 was where I was to start, and then I talked myself up. And this is why yeah. I should never be allowed to like bet because And here are my here doing. are my basic thoughts, and we'll get more into it next week. Mm-hmm. But if I'm Chris Boucher, I'm probably looking to get as much guaranteed money and mm-hmm. length as possible. Uh, a term as possible. So the longer the contract and the more guaranteed money, probably the better. Um, mm-hmm. With that, if I'm the Raptors, uh, I, I've written a ton about this, but you have so many competing sort of priorities that there's probably a hard cap on how much they want to pay both guys this year and into the future. I mean, in totality, um, mostly because they want to avoid the tax this year and mm-hmm. won't want to handicap themselves in terms of long-term for long-term. sure. Yeah. Um, so with that young, I think like they might say, okay, we'll give them 6 million or okay, we'll give them 7 million. But a lot of competitive teams who are over the tax will have that taxpayer mid-level exception at something mm-hmm. like 6.35 million to dangle him and you know doesn't he seem like a good veteran who can fill in in a (laughs) bunch of number ways for you know your dallas mavericks your los angeles clippers your boston celtics your you know name the team that's over your golden state warriors name the team that's over the tax and that Mm -hmm. wants to win and i think he makes a lot of sense in that slot so if he's deciding between seven million with the Raptors and six point three five million with another team, and maybe a better championship shot, I think it becomes pretty complicated. I want to revise my <laughs> I've predictions <convinced> you. <laughs> back to where I was. This is my problem. I can be convinced. I can talk myself in or be convinced out of anything too quickly. I would not be a good GM for many reasons, but that's probably one of the one of the greatest ones. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go back to fifty percent for both. And 70% for Boosh. Um, all right. Well, you you basically just copied my answer. Um, I didn't copy. Well, I said 65% I mean, I... for Boucher and 50% for both. So uh, Fine. 50% for Boucher and... Well, you're just, don't, you don't need to change 80% it. For, 80% for Boucher and 50% for both. All right. Sorry. All right. Um, last question. I have no yes. idea to what this refers to, so hopefully you have some idea. Ryan oh. P., at Fat Gumby. Some good Raptors questions here already, though I'd love to hear Eric explain why resign and resign are as different in meaning as apart and a part, two words. Um, <laughs> I, we can't do that on an audio medium. I, I That will get very headachy. Uh, he does have a Formula One question for you. Does racing need more local fauna invading the track? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, because it's really scary. In During the practice sessions in Montreal, um, something like blew onto the track, or at first we thought it was something that like blew onto the track, and then it was a groundhog. A groundhog was like darting between the cars, which is kind of insane. Later in the game, later in the game, later in the practice, my brain is still um, basketball terminology. There were, there was um, some litter, like a pop can was on the on the uh, on the so I was gonna say court on track. the track as well, but yeah, the groundhog was it was kind of fun. Luckily, it didn't die and get you know. Uh, my dog just hopped out of the car uh, just before oh, we God. just before we report recorded this podcast. We had parked and he hopped out of the car. 
but we didn't have his leash because we were like right next to home. And he ran immediately to a bird that was struggling on the ground, like mm. a baby bird. Um, and like, he didn't get him in its mouth, the bird in his mouth, no! but he did like make contact. And then the dog was, the bird was lying there either in shock or dead. Um, Eric. I, I hated it. I hated all of it. Um, Eric, this is not. No, that's uh, yeah. awful. Um, Walter can't help it. He, that, that's his instinct. Um, I know. I know. The bird looked like it was struggling already. Oh, it was Walter, very upsetting. Walter, Walter. It was very upsetting. Um, did you scream? Uh, my wife did. I did not scream. I was. What did you do? I was trying to tell. Did you Andy, yell? I was did trying you to yell? Tell Andy to grab his collar because uh, she was closer to him. Um, oh my goodness! Anyway, I love that my story is like, yeah, the groundhog went between multiple F one cars and it survived. Yeah. And yours is like, oh, by the way, here's a story about an animal who didn't survive. Maybe forever on <laughs> brand, Eric Green. Uh, we um, gotta we yeah. gotta wrap this up. Sorry to wrap it up on this note. Uh, so Gosh. we are more than likely to be back here early next week, wrapping up what the Raptors did with the draft. Hopefully with a new with a new Raptors yeah, rookie. Looking forward to what's coming in free agency, which starts on June the 30th. Uh, if any trades come, obviously we'll talk about that. Um, we'll hopefully keep our uh, prologue to less, fewer than 15 minutes. That, that yeah, would be advisable. That. Um, it's okay. People are here for banter, maybe. Maybe not. Um, but until then, Holly, uh, is there a race in Formula One this week? Yes? No? Next week, not this week. Um, all right. uh, there's three on three basketball, though. It's been a very busy week for Canada. Yeah, you've been, do you want to so. quickly plug what you've been writing about? Yeah, uh, covered the U18s, uh, the World, the Americas uh, Championship. The U18 boys uh, won a bronze medal. Uh, the U18, I should say men, not boys. The U18 women. Uh, had a very close game against the U.S. in the gold medal game last night. They lost by, I think, five points. So they uh, came away uh, from Argentina with a silver medal, and both of those teams qualified for the 2023 Basketball World Cup, which is very exciting, um, under-19 World Cup. Um, Three-on-three basketball this week. Uh, The senior men's team will be playing some games next week. And then there'll be Global Jam, which is the which is the huge basketball festival that's going to be happening here at the beginning of July. So super. Oh, and the under seventeens are coming up as well, and you can pretty much watch all of these games. Um, the the FIBA games that I've mentioned, the under under eighteen, under seventeen, that on YouTube, which is some FIBA's YouTube, which is awesome, and all the Global Jam will be on Sportsnet. So yay! Uh, I believe that's Canada Basketball. No, Basketball.ca. Right, that's the website. Um, yes. Yeah. You could, that's where you can find Holly's work. Um, yeah, it's been stuff. a super busy busy month and a good month and an exciting month. So, And now the draft, which I still cannot believe is here. Yeah. Um, looking forward to seeing some good suits. Uh, Holly, thank you yeah. for joining us. And let's, uh, let's do this again next week, huh? Yay! Everybody, thanks for listening. Be safe out there. And we'll talk to you next week. See ya!